The school was empty save for the two men. There were no children jostling in the halls, huddling in front of bulletin boards, their calls echoing through the corridors. During the weekdays, when the classroom doors opened in unison at the end of a period, the kids spilled out like they had been released from prison. Vincent Pareto often stood in the doorway of his woodworking classroom and watched the chaos. Other teachers were more focused on the social cliques the boys and girls fell into, and in the faculty lounge they dissected the fickle politics that mapped each grade. Vincent, though, was interested less in the ordering and reordering of athletes and chorus members than he was in noise, its rise and fall, the elusive stories buried in its rhythms, the clothes the students wore, the patches they sewed on their backpacks and jeans, the stairwells they colonized. He couldn't keep track of these things. Instead, daily, sometimes hourly, he listened to the cadences of their voices, the scrape of their jackets against a bank of steel lockers. There was something comforting about its reliable swell. It was the sound of being young. This afternoon, there was no such noise. The only voices belonged to him and Henry Wheeling, a student he hadn't seen in more than twenty years. Vincent had summoned him to the school to ask whether he should put his daughter in a mental hospital. The answer was yes, said Henry Wheeling, now a psychologist. Two decades and he had merely gone from one school to the next, collecting degrees and knowledge. Vincent had charted out Cynthia's history for him, how she had struggled to stay in college and then dropped out, moved to California with a boy she hardly knew but was certain she loved. He had gone back further, telling the psychologist of the ups and downs of her teen years, broken curfews, whiffs of marijuana smoke, the mysteriously low levels of some of the bottles in the liquor cabinet. We didn't think it was anything too major, Vincent said. Nothing a million other kids weren't doing to test the limits. He came full circle, describing Cynthia's recent move back home, into the attic bedroom. My wife and I barely see her, he said. It's more like having a tenant than a daughter. Still, the answer wasn't yes yet. Henry didn't immediately say, send her away. The response was, it sounds like she's had a rough time. True, said Vincent. Rougher than she deserves. It's hard to watch. Does she see a therapist? Henry asked. No, at least not that we know of. She has in the past, but none of them really helped and she stopped going. The last one gave her medication. How did that go? Vincent shook his head. Not well. I could get you the names of some good people, Henry said. Thank you, but I don't think she'll go at this point. She mentioned once that she was sick of it, having to start all over with a different person. What turned Henry's concern into full alarm was aspirin, specifically the twelve bottles of aspirin Vincent's wife had found squirreled in Cynthia's medicine cabinet. Twelve bottles, fifty tablets each. Six hundred. What brand and strength it was didn't matter. Even though Vincent had come to school armed with these details, the math to Henry Wheeling was inarguable. Yes, he said, inhaling sharply, she should probably be in a hospital. Even though it's only aspirin, Vincent asked, a few minutes ago you were offering to suggest a psychiatrist's name. That was before I knew about this part, Henry said. Twelve bottles of anything is too much, and combined with her depression, it makes sense to be over-careful. So you think she's depressed? From what you described, yes. Are there specific signs? The sleeping, for one. Could it be she's just tired? Maybe. Does she eat regularly? No. Does she have supper with you? From time to time. Seems hard for her to sit still for very long. What about a job? Does she work? 
Nothing regular. She babysits a neighbor's son. Friends? Does she spend a lot of time with friends? Not many. She's reconnected with a boy she knew in high school. They seem very attached. The sun had set an hour earlier. The trees and bushes outside the window had dissolved into silhouettes. The woodworking shop sat on the first floor of the school, and across the street stood three apartment buildings that blacked out much of the sky. Vincent's gaze settled on one of them, and he was jealous of the strangers there talking about anything but this. Hospitalize. It was a long word, but it didn't encompass all that it meant. The word, Vincent thought, should be a paragraph, a chapter, a book. Even then, it wouldn't be long enough. He eased himself into a creaky chair and rubbed his eyes. A phone was bolted to one corner of his gunmetal gray desk. It was the only object on the desktop aside from a blotter stained with coffee rings and a few stray Mongol pencils.